everybody. Welcome back to Infinity Watchers. I am John, joined always by Jared, and I'm just hoping we don't have a third evil co-host lurking in the shadows. Well, you, you never know what's going to come through that door. You never know. There you, could be you just a, never know. John, Jared, and Jake. <laughs> <laughs> Would be would uh, we'll have uh, we'll have the triple J episode. Yeah, so we're here this week to give kind of our final thoughts on Moon Knight and specifically uh, focused around episodes five and six. But you know, we do want to offer our thoughts on the the series as a whole and rank it within the the pantheon that is slowly building of Marvel Studios on Disney Plus. I was going to say, can we still call the MCU for the stuff that's on on the on Disney Plus or on the streaming service, or yeah. would it be like the mtu the marvel television universe uh, i mean it's all still television. mcu but yeah i guess so msu the marvel marvel streaming universe streaming first msv yeah. i don't know <laughs> anyways we are we are here um we've got a lot a lot to cover this week i think um you know i guess for a quick warning if you're looking for our thoughts on doctor strange and the multiverse of madness uh we are aware that that movie has come out and we've both seen it we saw it on the first day together Mm -hmm. and we'll be offering our our thoughts as we uh kind of digest subsequent viewings i think there's a lot to lot to chew on there and it sounds like we may be joined by an actual third co-host for that episode so we'll wait and see we'll leave you with that uh, little tease but be on the lookout for that episode and and check it out to to hear our thoughts on that film but our third personality will be showing or we're gonna pull them right out of them out of the multiverse. That's what I like to hear. That is what I like to hear. So, Jared, with that fifth episode of Moon Knight, um, you know, it was titled Asylum, directed by Mohammed Diab, who did um, episodes one, the Goldfish Problem, episode three, the Friendly Type, and the finale, which we'll get to here shortly, Gods and Monsters. Uh, and this one was written by. Rebecca Kirsch and Matthew Orton. Um, and this is actually the only episode I believe that they wrote in the, in the show. Um, so this was kind of an interesting series because we did bounce around between directors. Um, there was the, you know, the episodes directed by Muhammad Diab, but there's also a few directed by Aaron Moorhead and Justin Benson. So it's so really interested to see what's shaking out there. And I just read today that Aaron Moorhead and Justin Benson are now attached um, as producers to the fantastic four film that will be coming down the line. I'm curious what that means though, because we're going, or we're going from John Watts who supposedly might've had this somewhat friend, family friendly version to pulling two guys off of moon Knight of all projects <laughs> yeah, and throwing them onto the fantastic four. <laughs> yep. Who knows? Anyways, this episode um, aired for the first time on April 27th, 2022. Um, so what were your thoughts overall on this one and kind of uh, how it sets us up for that finale? So when this one first aired, like I I was just in amazement and like astonished that I was watching what I was watching. Like this seriously might give Oscar Isaac an Emmy opportunity for this episode alone. Like I, I text as soon as it ended i texted you saying i think this is the best thing that, that disney has put on and marvel and marvel has put on disney plus <laughs> this episode yeah. alone it like was just perfect to me in my opinion yeah i think this is one of those episodes that we're going to look back on and it is going to kind of stand out as the most memorable 
mm-hmm. um, specifically the last two, I think, you know, together are, are very um, stand out in terms of, you know, how you remember them. Um, yeah. And it, it was really interesting to see the um, very almost like David Lynchian feel to the, the opening at least. Yeah. And everything with like being in the, like it is like a little bit of one flew over the cuckoo's nest, a little bit of uh Legion. I don't know if you've watched, I don't think you've watched Legion. Right? I still haven't but, yet. No. Yeah. There was a lot of that opening that reminded me of Legion. Um, but just the, the, the mind prison feel to it. And it really had you questioning whether any of what we saw had happened to that point. Right. Right, and that's what I loved about it, that it really put you in the mindset of of Steven and Mark in that case, mm-hmm. of like, what, I, the fourth episode left on such a cliffhanger that we went into this this next episode thinking, like, is any of this real? What's going on? Like, what, what, like it, it really does put you in the mindset of somebody going through this process, and not to mention, like, he legitimately looks like he's dead from the, from the bullet, like, there's no denying that he got shot. So he's definitely going through an afterlife of some sort, but then it, then you start to wonder like, is it really the afterlife? Is this something Harrow like laced the bullet with, or was it is, and as you like see him start to process him dying, it just, it makes you start to question like, you know, (laughs) since your own mortality, the afterlife itself. um, And, really to me at least just like i i know i've said this a couple times but really puts you in a great uh, it puts you in the character's shoes almost perfectly like like throwing in all the harrow um psychiatrist scenes like really throws you for a loop (laughs) and hawk plays it so well and so straight that you'd think is this harrow just like playing some sort of trick or like, like manipulating yeah. him in some way. But no, this is Steven or Mark actually projecting a psychiatrist who just happens to look like Harrow. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's really, it's just it's unbelievable. Really it it kind of plays with your expectations and cause we knew going into this, we were going to get some sort of representation of the, the mental trauma and mental health issues that Mark deals with right and it's always in the comics been a mix of the fantastical like with Conchu, and you know he's actually fracturing mark's mind and just you know actual disorders that mark has mm-hmm. so it's it's really interesting to see that put the screen and and they did it in a really interesting way in this episode with the representation of the psych ward because that's what makes you really question like are are we really seeing what we're seeing or is the show right. going in a completely different direction? Like, is it, has this all been a, a hallucination? And you no, know, I think we, that that's kind of put the bed with Towerette being in it. Right. Yeah. And, and she even has the, the little like world building tib, tidbit where she, she's talking about um, the nature of the afterlife in mm-hmm. the MCU and what we see on screen. And it's like, mm-hmm. she explains that, all the afterlifes are technically the same realm, but how you perceive it depends on what you worshipped in life and like how you right. your belief system. And she mentioned the ancestral plane from that we saw obviously in Black Panther. So yeah, really cool to to see that and get that little little tidbit of world building. And you know that is something I think that's not going to necessarily go away. It's a nice way to allow these different religions and and different um, belief systems to to exist and kind of 
be able to establish and build out their mythologies. And what's crazy is that's just like it's literally just one line. It's it's one little kind of throwaway line that has all these ramifications and implications for the MCU at large. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah, so I thought this opening was brilliant. Um but we haven't even talked about the uh Stephen Grant, the adventurer and, oh, and his his sidekick. That that uh definitely threw me back into WandaVision and it felt like one of the ads that we would watch in WandaVision. Just mm-hmm. the low, low budget, <laughs> low quality, like what is going on here? <laughs> just the, it felt like the the production quality of it too just reminded me of like a, a, an adventure TV show you would watch in like the sixties, like early yeah. Doctor Who. That's what it, like the the vibes I got from it. Like yeah, and it did kind of have like that after school special feel to it. Yeah, that like, yeah, it like the corniness and the cheesiness and like like you're saying uh-huh. the the Doctor the old Doctor Who feel even like current Doctor Who I guess you could say mm-hmm. um, that that campiness feel to it, um, and that, like we actually find out that Stephen Grant technically isn't a real person and like where that origin comes from and it just i think that's what blew me away is the disney didn't show necessarily what happened but very extremely intensely implied how steven came to be like like we we, we see steven be created i'm jumping way ahead here oh, but like yes. but like we see steven be created but for for like Mark to pull him away, saying, "No, you don't need to see that." Like we we all understand what is going on there, and the fact that Disney was a lot was going to let that go through is tremendous, for lack of a better word. Yeah, so I mean, just jumping right into that part, the all of the flashbacks, um, I thought they were really effective. As a whole, I I do have to criticize them a little bit okay. because this out of the the number of series they put on Disney plus so far, they've done the like character living through literal, literal flashbacks with uh, three shows already. So yeah. Far. It's like, becoming a trope in there. And it's like, okay, we're, we're seeing the character's own past with them and they're kind of reliving moments so that we can see them. And it's like, I, I, I get it. I mean, I understand why you have to do it. And mm-hmm. especially with the way this story is set up with like, jumping us into the middle of Mark's journey and waiting till the end to show us. Um, it's just a little, a little nitpick and like the presentation felt very similar to WandaVision. So, mm-hmm. I mean, let's, let's get it. That's, that's what I'm talking about is the penultimate episode of WandaVision with Agatha walking her through the, her memories. And in this one, it's Steven and Jake kind of walking through their own or Steven and Mark walking through their own. <laughs> I don't think Steven and uh, Jake would have ended very well walking through. Memories. But, <laughs> Which um, we, we haven't even gotten to yet. And we saw it with Loki where mm-hmm. um, Mobius was showing him like a highlight reel of his life and his mm-hmm. life in the 616 timeline. Um well, I think what's interesting with Loki is that that was kind of also a, a recap and a catch up because we haven't really seen that character as right. like a full character in. I, I I can forgive it a little more in Loki, but um, but in this case, it it is kind of repeating. It, it's starting a trope and a cliche within these these Disney Plus series. That yeah, and it's not even mm, so much like a. 
it's a creative way to do it because you yeah. see a lot of shows that just when they need to show a flashback, they literally just flashback. Like mm-hmm. the characters aren't experiencing that. It doesn't mean anything for the characters. It's just us filling in gaps. Mm-hmm. I think of like um, every episode of Lost had a flashback to something mm-hmm. that happened before they crashed on the island. Right. So it's like right. flashbacks are always a thing. Um, but for me, it's just like the presentation. They've done it a few different times so far. Um, it didn't bother me because it was effective. <laughs> In, in mm-hmm. every instance that they did it. Yeah. But it's just something I'm kind of keeping an eye on for and, and something that could be like, you know, oh, we have to establish an emotional connection with this <laughs> character. Let's have them walk, literally walk through their trauma. <laughs> right. Right. And it's it's uh, it, it's always somebody new guiding, like kind of guiding the yeah. way through this to this mm-hmm. older character or older character kind of guiding the way to this newer character. Mm-hmm. Um, But anyways, I mean, I thought. I thought it was really effective. It was very heartbreaking seeing, you know, one, the death of his brother and mm-hmm. how he dealt with that. But even more heartbreaking was the mother's reaction to it and just completely <laughs> shutting him out of his life and mm-hmm. just, I mean, abusing him. Right? right. So that was, that was hard. And then the, the moment that Steven is created, you realize why <laughs> this mm-hmm. fracture happened for Mark. Mm-hmm. And it was just to like save a part of himself from the, the abuse and the beatings and the trauma, mm-hmm. and just it's very, very tragic. Man, I'm feeling the weight just just thinking about that right now. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. I, I I honestly don't know what else to say about it. It's just, it's it's very, it's taste it's tastefully done, and it's it's not exploitative. It's not melodramatic like they they really struck a fine line they really had walked a fine line with that with those scenes and i think pulled it off extremely well yeah and they they did a good job of setting this up too throughout Mm -hmm. the story right like because there were always kind of hints to to mark's backstory and it kind of seemed like they were going to make it tied into layla and some of the fallout and trauma between them but then you go back to the early episodes with Steven and the calls to his mother. And you think about like, oh, man, he was just making calls mm-hmm. to no one. And we kind of speculated that and questioned that at the time. Like, is he even talking to anybody? Like, like we, we said that we said that in the first ep- in the first episode we talked mm-hmm. about him and I didn't we that that very well could be that his mom's dead. Yeah. But like to know that she was an abuser and someone mm-hmm. that, you know, they were all victims of his brother's death and like mm-hmm. not victims so much because it wasn't a crime but like no no it was an yeah, accident that... yeah right but just to to know that kind of just drives the the nail in further um and i, I think it's what's kind of really brilliant about it is we know that the reason that he's able to carry on these conversations with nobody is because Steven was created specifically to avoid the pain that his mother caused. Mm-hmm. So like thinking she's alive, thinking she's happy is something that, you know, Mark allows Steven to feel and to do because it keeps up that, that happy life that he wants Steven to live as, you know, another part of himself. Mm-hmm. I just want, I thinking about it though. I wonder and I mean, you can correct me in one way or another. So when she, the the instance of abuse that that 
that Steven has pulled away from that we see like start to happen. He Mark is Steven at that point, right? As a child. Yeah. And th- this, this isn't me nitpicking or anything. Just it's very well possible that, that, that Steven was, I mean, it it's, it's it, explicit that Steven was created as kind of a, a punching bag to protect Mark from his mom. But no, that's not how I read it. No, no. The way I think May- maybe I'm just not remembering. And it I'm going to jump ahead a little bit. Yeah, yeah. I think Stephen created or Mark created Stephen mm-hmm. for the quiet times to have a piece of himself that could still believe his mother was good and mm-hmm. wasn't abusive and didn't hurt him. I think Mark was just kind of you know he lived in the in between between his personalities, right? Like mm-hmm. he knows his mom's abusive. He knows that, you know, he's hated by his parents and he's just living his life. Mm-hmm. I think Mark created Jake to take all the abuse from his mother. I think that's okay. what we'll find out. Like Steven was to live in being oblivious and live in bliss. Right? Well, because when when I'm just going back to that to that instance in the room where she grabs the belt where she grabs the belt and you hear you can hear him as Steven. At least it sounds like him. Yeah, he goes he's off camera. British accent mm-hmm. goes into a British accent at that point, and it's never shown. You might be right though. Um, it's never shown like which personality is active or is in control whenever she's abusing him. So I guess we, it's not really that clear. But I, I just wonder if Stephen sees his mom, Steve, sees their mom as a, a happy-go-lucky person, a great person he wants to talk to constantly. Wouldn't he have memories of that trauma? So I, you might be right that they created Jake without knowing it to protect themselves from that. Yeah, because it, it's the only thing that makes sense to me. Because that yeah. was my initial read of it, too, was that Stephen was created to take the abuse so that Mark didn't have to. But it doesn't seem like Stephen has any effects of those abuse, like himself as that personality of Stephen. He seems like he just had maintained a good relationship with his mother. So I think that was like Stephen was an escape from Mark where he could just kind of live in bliss and, and mm-hmm. you know, a part of himself could still believe that his mother wasn't abusive. And stuff. Because it's it, Stephen and him start fighting about it because it, it that's whenever like Stephen finds out how he was created because he, he remembers like his childhood and he remembers everything mm-hmm. prior to when he was actually created. But mm-hmm he doesn't see it that way. So I guess, I guess you have a point. Um, I, I just took it as initially, um, Mark was using Steven as a shield, but I, I guess you have a point there. I didn't really think about, I, I, I haven't, as much as I loved this episode, I haven't gone back to rewatch it since it aired and mm-hmm. we're now like two weeks out from it. <laughs> so, uh, my memory is a little foggy on it. So I'd like to revisit it when I have a chance. Yeah, specifically um, those scenes. I want to see if there are more kind of hints towards Jake. Mm-hmm. But I think all of that uh, kind of just leads us to the the final scene. Um, well, the final act of the episode, I guess, mm-hmm. where they go back up to the ship, um, the to- the top of the ship, and they're their hearts are weighed and found to be imbalanced still. And I, I had assumed it was because they hadn't reconciled and discovered the third personality that we now know is Jake. 
but oh, I I, um, I didn't think it had anything to do with the third personality. I mm-hmm. thought it was that they they were two halves of the same whole. Like they were never going to balance until they reconciled with themselves. Not not even counting a third personality, and which case. is what it was. Yeah, yeah, and then I mean that leads to Stephen falling off the boat and being turned to stone, and Mark making it to the the field of reeds. Mm-hmm. No, there were some nice visuals there. Um, I thought it it was a a cool representation of what that could look like. Um, and then Oscar Isaac does a phenomenal job when he goes back for <laughs> for Stephen to to pull him out of there. Yeah. Um, yeah. Some did... of the lines were a little like <laughs> cheesy, like "You're my real superpower," <laughs> <laughs> kind of goofy but and this this was the first time we saw in a couple episodes since we've seen conchu again because as they're going back through those i'm still on episode five here as they're going back through those memories we see steve mark the mercenary like like go to kill himself in front of conchu's statue and that's whenever like he convinces mark to become the moon knight in a way right and I mean, th- this character fascinates me so much, and I don't think we got enough of him Conchu. in the show. Conchu, yeah. Mm-hmm. Because, I, I mean, F. Murray Abraham, I think, does does the, his voice extremely well and, like, really plays him up to be this petty little a-hole. Um, but at the same time, like, when Mark is first introduced to him, like, you, you'd buy it. At least, yeah. granted, we... We know what he he can do after what Harrow explains to to him, and throughout the rest of the show, even in the next episode when he tries to convince Layla to become the Moon Knight, um, we know what he's capable of and what he's doing. But even in this scene, it's still I, I was starting to buy into it. He's a great con man. Yeah, he yeah, that's a really good uh, description of him. Is he's a con man. I mean, did you the the earlier scene when he's walking to the cave with his brother, and he steps on the bird that looks an awful lot like Conchu? Mm-hmm. Do you think that's meant to imply that Conchu like had a a beat on Mark like as a kid, like he had been watching him for that long as like a potential avatar for? No, I don't think so. I didn't okay. really, I didn't really pick up on that because that. I mean, they could go into that in the later season, but I I don't think that's the case because when when he shows up, I mean, Grant, he could be like playing up, uh, like playing up the the discovery if that's the case. But when Mark like stumbles into his tomb, it looks like or it sounds like he's like, oh, hey, who's this? This guy could really take over for me because I'm assuming that Harrow had just left him at that point. Mm-hmm. recently yeah it's never it's never shown it's only talked about that harrow used to be the avatar right i just kind of wonder like could they be kind of setting up conchu taking more of a villainous turn because that's one of the more interesting relationships in the entire show is mark and conchu <laughs> right because they're Mark wants out in many mm-hmm. different points. Um, and with that bird, what got me kind of thinking is like, 
what if Mark's life has been kind of like engineered by Conchu in certain points? Like, what if the reason that his brother drowned was because of Conchu to like break Mark down so that he could build him up as his new avatar? Yeah, I, I get what you're saying there. That that's a, that's an interesting point. I would, I mean, that would obviously have to play out in like the second season. Oh yeah. Um, if if a second one happens, there's nothing confirmed yet. Um, at least as of this recording, uh, Oscar Isaac has basically said it's not happening. Um, Callum Way has said she wants to come back to do it, and Diab has said that he he wants to continue the story if given the chance. But everyone else seems to be in the boat of, well, we told the story we told, let's just leave it at that for now and then decide later on if we want to do a second season or not. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, that would be an interesting setup for a second season, especially uh, we're not on the finale yet, but with Ethan Hawke possibly out Yeah, <laughs> um, to have this internal struggle between Mark, Steven and Conju versus Conju and Jake. Right, like that would be like the four of them. <laughs> I, I can just the same. Uh, they're all four the, the same, same body. <laughs> I, that's what I was about to say. That like, like you wouldn't give Oster eyes at the challenge of playing <laughs> of of uh, of a lifetime. Just have him play three or four different people at once in the same scene. Mm-hmm. I mean, you got to think when they filmed it. Like uh, this, like this episode alone. I had heard or read somewhere that apparently hit. Isaac's brother was coming on to set to act as his double um, for him to act off of. And like, you got to think that he's playing off of himself that he can't see. So, and for it to seem so seamless and natural in this, (laughs) in the, the editing in this is absolutely incredible and insane to me how they even put this together. Um, Camera work of keeping all of the all of Oscar's and Stevens Mart and Mart's conversations all within the same shot to really keep the realism going and like to really draw you into this man's mind. It just it it I I can't I can't say enough good things about it. Yeah, especially in this episode alone, right. I mean, we haven't talked about Doctor Strange yet, but a lot of that you can tell, like, is set in front of a green screen. Mm-hmm. This, like, you can tell some of it's in front of a green screen, but it's still Oscar Isaac acting acting off of Oscar Isaac and also talking to a giant CGI bird, that dead bird that we that isn't standing there mm-hmm. <laughs> and is voiced by somebody who's recording outside of the studio. So, like, he's basically acting with himself for the entire shoot yeah yep <laughs> it's pretty amazing yeah it's pretty amazing give this man an emmy please <laughs> but i you think we should go into the finale then um yeah I th- i'm trying to think if there was anything else with this episode specifically that i wanted to talk about i don't think i mean other than it was i thought it well, was the strongest of the series was there anything with Layla in this episode? I can't. I, again, no. it's been a few weeks. We don't flash her until episode six and like the okay. fallout. Yeah. So yeah, I guess let's let's move on to that finale, um, Gods and Monsters. This one was directed by Mohammed Diab. Um, 
The screenplay was done by Jeremy Slater, Peter Cameron, and Sabir Pirzada. And the story was by Danielle Iman and Jeremy Slater. And Jeremy Slater actually served as the, the showrunner here. So mm-hmm. I thought overall... Um, the finale was pretty good. There were some parts that I maybe didn't necessarily need, um, like the the giant kaiju gods. <laughs> it's kind of cool, but it looked a little wonky and a little like goofy. Um, mm-hmm. Amit looked kind of cool. It was an interesting design, but it felt um, a little like uncanny valley. Like I don't know, like <laughs> it just the the CGI was pretty weak i felt it in this episode um can we can we just pause for a moment and just acknowledge how much of idiots the aniad are no oh, they're like, the worst they're at the absolute worst they're the, the epitome of the eric andre meme of him shooting hannibal and going who did this like yeah. <laughs> yes that okay <laughs> let's start with that gripe because we talked about it in i, I can't remember if it was episode three or four but there's the trial scene yeah, Where Mark is on trial. Conchu is on <laughs> trial, and he's like, "No, Harrow's Harrow's doing all this horrible stuff. Like, you need to pull him into trial." And they pull Harrow in, and he says, "Oh no, I'm not doing anything." They're like, "Okay, we believe you. Conchu <laughs> needs to be imprisoned." Like, at the time, I, I think we had speculated that, "Oh, it it seems like one they're of them is on working it. with Conchu, working with Harrow, right? <laughs> like they're they're against Conchu." But I think they mostly just did it out of annoyance for Conchu. They just don't like him. <laughs> Probably. Um, and you can kind of see episode, why. It's like, oh, my God, what is happening? Harrow's going to kill us all. It's like, <laughs> well, you didn't who would let the Am- guy at all. <laughs> who would let Amit out? <laughs> and, like, somebody just came, like, two days ago to tell you who what was happening. Yeah. <laughs> and you didn't yeah. look into it. That was a huge frustration to me. It, it would have worked better <laughs> if they just revealed that. I think it was One of Osiris, was, right? Was yeah. in, was in on it. Like it would have been cliche, it. but I think it would have made more sense. <laughs> yeah, than then just being completely caught off guard. No idea what's going on. <laughs> just incredibly confused. <laughs> but it was yeah. unbelievable. I couldn't believe I was actually seeing that unfold. Of who did mm-hmm. this? <laughs> <laughs> who could do such a thing? <laughs> um, but like. That that might have been my only major gripe with this episode. I think overall, this was a pretty strong finale. I think it was too. Yeah, um, I I liked the fight scenes a lot. Um, I I particularly liked the first time that Towerette possessed a dead body to talk to Layla. <laughs> right. That was very very creepy. <laughs> like, <laughs> and it's just funny because like the jovial voice that the Towerette has, <laughs> and just you picture like this hippo puppeting this corpse and i'm like this is this is pretty good <laughs> i enjoyed the the weirdness of that um and the you know we start to get the hints of um layla taking over as an av- an avatar right i almost thought for a second she would end up with conchu because that would have been a really interesting place to kind of leave the they start to lean into it, and then uh, they they write the character in a way where she immediately does. Nah, I I understand. You're like I understand what your game is. We're not, I'm not. I don't want to be a part of this. Yeah, and I was glad to see that. <laughs> yeah, I think that um I think that was the best choice mm-hmm. for for the story and otherwise. Um, but I mean, 
I think my biggest one of my biggest complaints of the entire season is is Harrow. Um, I really, really liked Ethan Hawke and I really liked his performance, but it never really felt like he and Amit were actually trying to do what they said they were doing. Right, like we never really got what it meant to be judged as a bad person or to be unbalanced. Right, like we don't understand like why they're actually killing people. Is it just like a crime they committed, a crime they could commit? Like, is it based on crime at all, or is it just whatever their own morality dictation is? That's a really good. That's a really good point, and i I would have liked. I actually would have liked to see a lot more of like the the uh, philosophy and psychology and Amit and and Harrow themselves. So that is a really good point. Um. But they they do start to kind of they it's like they it's like they pierce the veil just a little bit with that and then mm. just let go of it because yeah like we find out that Amit probably shouldn't have chosen Harrow in the end like Harrow starts to say I what I'm I'm unbalanced I shouldn't yeah. be your avatar <clears throat> and Amit's like well you're the only one that's been able to do this so mm-hmm. I, you're my only chance you're my only you're the only one I've got, essentially, is what it boils down to. I choose yeah. you, Arrow. I just think, it's- like, the best the best conflicts in the MCU are when you have two sides that are philosophically opposed. Mm-hmm. And sometimes that's heroes that are opposed to each other. Sometimes it's hero and villain dynamics and relationships. Mm-hmm. And this felt like it just kind of boiled down to, well, Harrow's bad and he's going to kill people, so I'm going to stop him. You know? <laughs> like, it, yeah. it, it never really made you question whether Hera was right as like the best villains tend to do. And there, there's, yeah. and I think what makes me like most upset about it is you had such a good actor in that part that you mm-hmm. could have easily pulled off like one of the best, maybe not easily. Cause I can't, I'm not giving like concrete suggestions on how to do that, but <laughs> like you could have pulled off one of the best villains in the MCU. And I just felt like he just boiled down to, you know, Oh, well, I'm going to suck souls and make this giant alligator. Like, I'm like, okay. <laughs> I mean, because like, at this... the end, I mean, he just like people just start dying in Cairo and their souls are floating up into oblivion. And I'm like, well, that's pretty bad. Like, there's no there's no <laughs> argument that what you're doing is good and they don't try to make it like it in a similar. Uh, I don't know. It, it just it really it really disappointed me that it didn't they didn't with all the time that we had in this series and all of the the time that we had from Harrow that we didn't get more of that like philosophical opposition. And we had, it, it was a taste of, the, of it the in the first the episode that we're, we're in with the, yeah, we did in the first episode and in the second one, when they're walking through his commune, like that was oh, one yeah, of yeah. the best scenes of the, of the show. That Sorry. The second episode, that's the one I was referring to. Yeah. Yeah, that that was one of the best scenes in the show. And at that point, mm-hmm. I was like, wow, this might just be one of the best villains that we're seeing in the MCU. Mm-hmm. But they didn't, never went any further than that with it. And no. I, I, I liked um, it, I liked the idea of the series in that we have these two people. And one of them being Mark is kind of caught up in this war of the gods, essentially. <laughs> Right. And like, I, I think you could either do one of two things, right? You can make Mark and Harrow more diametrically, more like um, polar opposites and opposed to each other's 
moral philosophies, but both of them are like right in certain senses, right? Mm-hmm. I think that would be an interesting route. Or you could take the route where you have Mark being manipulated by Kanju and Harrow being manipulated by Amit. They're both just kind of like puppets. And that's kind of the the comparison between them where it seemed like Harrow was like completely aligned with Amit and exact like did, wanted to do exactly what she wanted to do. I think it would have been mm-hmm. really interesting to see them both as people that were more caught up in this war. Whereas it, it was like Harrow was a very active participant in the war along with his, the God he represented. Whereas Mark yeah. was more of a, like a puppet. I don't really want to do this, but like, right. I have this God that's like screaming in my ear to tell me to do all this crazy stuff. Like, you know, I can't stop. And and I love that aspect from Mark, but I feel like they either needed to do more to flesh out Harrow's motivations and maybe make it a little more morally gray than they ended up doing or make Harrow a puppet just like Mark. Cause I think that probably would have put them at better like oppositions because what we ended up getting was just good versus bad. And I mean, Mark's a little more morally gray than good, but which, yeah, that that is interesting. Now that you mentioned Mark being more gray than anything, because like he would be like the perfect center for for all of this. Yeah, with Harrow being or Stephen being completely good, goody two shoes goes to his day job at the gift shop and loves it. Uh, versus Harrow, who literally is killing people and <laughs> the, this war of the gods. Um. And Mark's the only one that really kind of knows what's going on. Uh, that is, that would be a really interesting like center point to kind of go for or to build off of. Um, so yeah, I, I, I completely understand what you're saying. I, I can't really disagree with any of that. Yeah, I, I, I'm not saying it made the series bad, but it definitely, no. it definitely took it kind of a tear down in in my in my eyes in terms of like how I how I view MCU just because I just never felt as invested in the story as I wanted to with Mm -hmm. it um, because of the, the villain motivation and everything. And it, it, it's even more frustrating just because it's such a missed opportunity because you have an excellent actor who's giving you like a 100% performance. (laughs) Right. So, and then, well, you know, to spoil the end of it, it seems like he may have gotten killed off, which is even more depressing. Yeah. Or we at didn't least see a body. But... <laughs> <laughs> I'm getting tired of that rule. I'm getting really tired of that rule. I, I just either I just kill him off screen. I don't really care. Mm-hmm. That would make things interesting. of just saying, oh, yeah, that it made it through. And then just mm-hmm. ne- that person never come back. Um what what do you think of uh, of Layla in this episode becoming uh, Tom Wett's avatar? I thought it was awesome. Do, who do, was she supposed to become? I I don't I'm not too familiar with that canon. Yeah, there's a a lesser known hero called the Scar Scarlet Scarab. Okay, um, that's what that's what she is. Okay, it's it's a very like loose adaptation of it because there's very little content of that character in the comics. So it seems like they're more just, I don't even know if they're formally calling her that, but Mm -hmm. that's, that's what it's implied that she is. Um, Well, either way, I I liked, I liked the, the idea of the turn. And I think it's going to be really interesting to see how Mark reacts to her being swept up in that same 
god battle or whatever is going on now that she is or that he's in right it's going to be interesting because he wanted so badly for her to not be caught up in it specifically with Khonshu but but now that she's with Towerette I think it's it's interesting uh interesting way to take the story at the same time though I I didn't see it coming at all at the same time, yeah, I didn't see that coming at all either. I, I, I figured she might. She's probably gonna reject Kanju, but for her to become Towerette's avatar is what surprised me. Um, it, the thing is though, it doesn't seem like Towerette's like involved. And I'm sorry for mispronouncing that, but it doesn't seem like she wants to be involved in this like feud between the Innie ad. Yeah, I don't. Or at least it's at least there's. Does. There's really no connection to. I mean, she's the god of what is it, motherhood and, and nurturing, isn't it? Yeah. So, like, it. I mean, she doesn't seem like the type that would go to war uh, yeah. unless needed. But, I mean, she's the one escorting them to the afterlife. It just yeah. seems. It just seems like I get that Mark might be upset that she, that Layla's involved now, but at least to me, Tarot doesn't seem like. She wants to be involved anyway. She I, just needed yeah. I guess a, what does she need an avatar for? Like Conchus yeah. is to protect the travelers of the night and <laughs> and to dish out justice, right? <clears throat> so why does she need a a superhero avatar? Right. <laughs> like, do you think she could like have a saint as her avatar, or someone with healing powers, or something yeah. like that? So yeah, that's that's really interesting. I'm curious to see what it is. Really like the fight choreography in the in this one. Uh, there was the like the the old boy shot and the John Witch shot with that hmm. m- with the Mister Knight suit like going across the street of yeah. Ste- of Stephen like Stephen getting in on the action now. Oh, like he I knows Stephen getting in on it. That, that he knows what he's doing. Continues to look so good in the <laughs> oh, just great stuff. I I really loved the resolution to the fight with Harrow where they've cut to Jake. We miss all of it, everything. But it's over, and you're like, uh-huh. "Whoa, that was that was a really <laughs> bold choice." Yeah, it it really makes me wonder, like, how many times we actually saw Jake during this series? Because in that in that village scene in episode one, he was very brutal, and that was Stephen going away and coming back as Stephen. So Mark wouldn't even know that that transition happened technically. Mm-hmm. So, like, yeah, we could, could have gone well Stephen to Jake back to Stephen. Because, I mean, when Stephen woke up, he was surrounded by all those people, like, blood on his hand with the scarab. And these, right. like, just followers of Harrow were just dead around him. That he just oh, yeah, just wasn't Mark just even saying that wasn't me? That was a... At that point? That was the episode in Egypt. Okay. Yeah, you're so Mark, right. So Mark never commented on anything that happened in the village. We just know Stephen mm-hmm. wasn't in control. But right. the way that everything was kind of... A bit more brutal, I think, uh, kind of lets you know that it might have been <laughs> right. Might have been Jake. Um, and I guess, I guess we should just hit on Jake now since we keep talking about him. Like you yeah. called it from like, was it the first episode? Yep. <laughs> that we now have Jake Lockley in the MCU. Um, I I really liked that scene. Especially at the at uh, especially with the post credit scene, I really like that scene now where Stephen is negotiating with Kanju about the terms of their release, saying, "Oh well, we did what you wanted, so now you're gonna let us go." And he just says, "Okay, yeah, fine," knowing that there's a third personality yeah. in there they <laughs> yep, don't know that he, about that wants to be his avatar. Yeah, 
Yeah, that is great. That was incredible. To kind of that scene. Mm-hmm. Like that just goes back to the whole con man aspect of like he's he he can still like no matter what he says he can always get one over on these guys. Yeah. Now now back to episode five for a second. Like, do you think? I know you said that they they might have created Jade as a way to protect themselves from their mother, but is it possible that Kanju created this third personality as like a fallback in case Mark and because Mark was hesitant at first and then seemed like he was resistant up until Steven decided to jump in or jump in and take care of things himself. Um, so do you think it's possible Kanju always had this one created as like a, a fallback in case Mark ever decided to break off himself? That definitely could be the case. I think I think there's a lot more manipulation from Kanju on Mark that we can see than we've seen so far. Mm-hmm. And that last scene with Jake definitely hints to that to where I mean, just the way Kanju's sitting in the back of that limo or that <laughs> in that, the touch. I think it's a limo, yeah. And <laughs> like <laughs> Just full confidence, like he knew that this was he was gonna win out this way, and and I I really think that there's a lot that we aren't seeing that we're gonna explore at some point with Conchu, because because of this. Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if he did do something like create Jake for that reason. Because um, Jake is a straight up assassin in this. Yeah, he's exactly see, what Conchu wants. Yeah, he is a a murderer. <laughs> yeah. Um. And the the part that I a lot of people were calling that that Jake was involved in some way, um, especially after that, you know, I didn't do that scene that Mark had. Right. But what I call what I called and I think we're actually going to get is that Jake is actually Black Spectre, who is Moon Knight's kind of number one nemesis, um, which is not the case in the comics. I kind of thought they may go there based on the more brutal nature and them not including a character like Black Spectre in this show. Mm-hmm. But when when Jake's pulling his limo away, the license plate says Spectre, which is oh, yeah, Mark's last name. Mm-hmm. But why would he have Mark's last name? Why would Jake have Mark's last name on his limo? You know, I saw somewhere as a joke, somebody started calling him Mork Spectre. Mork Spectre. That's the another one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um. But yeah, I think I think you're onto something there that that uh, that Black Spectre is going to be. I mean, Jade's wearing like all black, isn't he? Whenever he's they... wearing all black, the entire interior of the limo is black. Conchu has a black suit on. <laughs> like, I thought he was wearing a white suit. Oh, maybe he was wearing a white suit on. Yeah, white suit on the black. Yeah, on the black leather. Yeah. yeah. So like it, it. I think you're onto something there. Like, I hate to pull out little details like that and like extrapolate them into like a larger. <laughs> thing overall but i i think you're actually on to an actual like theory there that mm-hmm. those little details actually add up the some act- or the parts actually add up to something yeah because i mean there's there's going to be more broken trust between mark and conchu for sure <laughs> like there's, oh, a reckoning, yeah. there's a reckoning that's coming there that i'm really excited to see it is really interesting though like how tightly they've tied the powers in the suit to Conchu himself mm-hmm. um, because it's not like that in the comics it's not like you know if Conchu leaves him he has to get rid of the suit he just has the, it's just a suit mm-hmm. <laughs> it's not like this magical mummy wrapping that goes around him so right it almost makes Conchu like more of like a parasite than anything <laughs> yeah so I'm I'm interested to see how that all continues 
So, uh, so I guess overall then, was well, there anything else in the, for the finale you wanted to mention or? Um, I think we should talk about the kaiju fight and how, how oh, that yeah, all wraps up that. for a sec. Um, <laughs> it's very weird. It just, it, it was weird. <laughs> and like tonally, it just, it just felt like, well, we have the CGI budget and, you know, <laughs> it's just going to go away if we don't use it. Right. <laughs> like, like what if we make the giant alligator and the bird skeleton punch each other <laughs> on top of the pyramid? Like these the Again. people that live on this earth, man, I swear they've got the weirdest. Like how how far apart do you think this was from like spoilers for Eternals? The giant celestial bursting out of the crust of the earth in the, in the middle of the ocean and freezing and, solid. And the the other celestial literally showing up at Earth and like sh- announcing themselves as a god. Yeah, and this all happens like within months of the Avengers just completely getting decimated. Like. <laughs> Like what? <laughs> we really need now like that that damage control show to come back. Like I just need to know. Right. We need like an anthology series, even if it's animated, of just like <laughs> just little tales of people that just exist in this world. It would be so cool. Well, like I actually want stuff like that. You and I have talked about this multiple times. Yeah. Like the item, like was it item forty three? Yeah. Or, that was or, awesome. Or, and like and like how everyday people interact in this world, like almost do like an A24 style movie set in the MCU, you know, like mm-hmm. maybe not Disney it as much. May I mean, after like, we haven't really, we're not talking Dr. Strange yet, but like after allowing Sam Raimi to like go full on horror at points and allowing how much blood and gore they do in this and now putting the Netflix series on Disney plus, like, come on, let's, let's push the envelope a little bit to, yeah. and, and bring up the con and make the content a little more mature. Like that would be, and that would be fun. I think it would too. But yeah, the 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 fight in this I don't even remember much of it. It was just a generic kaiju battle between two Egyptian gods on the pyramid and like there really it really was just a spectacle. Like there's no yeah, there's a thematic substance. tie, but it there, yeah, there's no substance to it. There's a thematic tie, but it's not really that strong and it's not really that yeah. uh it's not that tethered to everything else that we've seen in the show. I mean, you and I just talked about how they, they introduced Harrow as and Amit as like this predetermined, uh, as like these people, uh, as these individuals that predetermine judgment on others based on what they see they'll do. Um, a la like minority report, but like in the, at the end of the day, Kanju's, just out to kill people who did wrong like yeah it's not that there really isn't this moral battle that should have been played up for that to like play out and there's one line at some point during the i think the last two episodes of like conchu's judgment comes too late right it's more reactive than proactive but then yeah. that's like the, where it that's ends it. and there's no debate there's no like philosophical pondering of that and and I just would have rather have seen more of that than than the kaiju battle because it, it wasn't like it just wasn't exciting because I don't I don't care that much about Conchu and Amit's squabble no <laughs> as much as Mark and and it it did serve for a really cool backdrop to the rest of the like ground fighting going on but it just felt like just unnecessary <laughs> like we had kind right. of seen kaiju in like Shang Chi with the dragons right. right? 
Right. And though that was really effective because they stood for something and they were like and old world versus new tied. world versus Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. So this didn't didn't work too well for me. And I think the fact that they were just like anthropomorphic and <laughs> yeah. they were yelling at each other and <laughs> it just felt <laughs> I don't know, it was just strange. And and this has to just completely shake the faith of the people <laughs> that live in <laughs> Egypt. Like, these are the ancient Egyptian gods, like not just like a kaiju, it's literal gods like that just grew to Grew to be skyscrapers and started punching each other over the pyramids. Yeah. <laughs> Where are the Eternals when you need them? <laughs> well, there was. They they initially that's, had planned for a Kumail cameo in this show. That's why I was that's where I was going with it. <laughs> okay. Sorry, yeah, steal your that, thunder. That's why I brought it up. Well, I was hoping you would take take the lead there. Uh, I also saw that apparently they wanted Kit Harrington to come in. I did uh, read that did, as well. Uh, Dane Whitman cameo because I mean they they all they he works in a museum and like it wouldn't be out of place for him mm-hmm. to just like walk through the background of of the museum that Stephen works in. Yeah, and then the the primary reason they didn't do it is because they didn't want to um, bring Kit Harrington's character back again without having him suit up as Black Knight. <laughs> That's oh, what they my. said. They said fans would be mad if he showed up again but wasn't the Black Knight. And they well, said they we wouldn't. didn't really have time to to do that throughout the course of the series in like a meaningful way. So we wanted to save it. He was one of the best and one of the worst parts of Eternals at the same time. I just want more Kit Harrington to show like it was, in my it life. It was the perfect know, like, tease. It was the yeah. perfect tease. You didn't have room for Kit Harrington in that movie. <laughs> <laughs> but like I, I know I know we talked about it in the first episode, but I think I, I I'm so happy that we only got like two very vague uh, ties to the MCU. One was Madge Report. Well, three. One was Madge Report. Two was the Ancestral Plane. And three was um, the Rama Tut Easter egg. Mm. Um, but other than that, like this, any other time, like or any other, at any other point in the story, it doesn't feel like it's connected to the MCU. Mm-hmm. No, no reference to the Avengers. No reference to thanos or the snap or the blip or like anything of that nature like mm-hmm. this is its own individual story and i gotta commend slater and diab and the writers for committing to that and i mean that's what that's what brought isaac and hawk onto the project is that they said that they were happy with how unconnected it was to the rest of the mcu mm-hmm. we're gonna stick with this now but i think if they were to tie it in eternals would have been like the perfect one to do it with in this case and yeah but it's like it would have been difficult to find the right place for it i'm sure that's why they didn't do it but like i just don't know where you put it in here and have it be actually meaningful right particularly with way the way that eternals ended too well it was supposed i think they wanted nanjiani to like show up in ancient egypt is what I had read. Like they oh. wanted him to be fighting alongside Conchu's avatar at that time. Oh, okay. That'd be pretty cool. Yeah. But I don't know how you would naturally fit that into fit a flashback like that into, especially with how little Conchu is actually in this show. Yeah. It would have just raised questions. People would be like, Well, why is there an eternal there? And then they just don't really acknowledge it. <laughs> Even better, the people who didn't see Eternals go, Who's that? <laughs> Who's that guy? 
<laughs> why why is Jamel Nanjiani in this? <laughs> why is Jon Snow in this? Yep. They apparently never considered Blade, which was like the only MCU character that was actually rumored for it before. Right. <laughs> Because I think you and I had even speculated that he may show up in the finale in a post credit scene or something. Yeah, I think we talked about that at some point. Still waiting Not for that be... day we see Ali in the Mahershala Ali in the in the get up. I'm so stoked. Mm-hmm. Yep. So ov- overall, how does this show rank or fit or work for you? So for those who don't know, I like to break my tiering my my rankings out into tiers and then kind of rank them within that tiers and that gives me my overall ranking um jared and i made the decision to break our ranking out into film and series just because it was getting unwieldy and um gets harder and harder to read through as we're up here i mean in total (laughs) in the mcu we're at 34 properties (laughs) um and 28 movies and six series so far so um, so, I mean, overall, I, I put this um, in my A tier, um, and the way that I, I have this is I have um, the lowest tier is C, goes up to C, uh, goes up to B, and then to A minus, A plus, or A minus, A, A plus, and then S. S tier is the best. Um, uh-huh. So I have this in my A tier, uh, which is kind of like my third tier of my rankings. Um and in that tier, the only other show I have in there is Falcon and Winter Soldier, actually. Um, so overall, uh, from one through six, my MCU series ranking is as follows. Number one in the S tier is Loki season one. Mm-hmm. Number two in the S tier is WandaVision. Number three in the A plus tier is Hawkeye. Number four in the A tier is Moon Knight. Number five also in the A tier is Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Number six in the C tier, I <laughs> jumped all the way to C, is uh, What If Season 1. Okay. So I, the surprise here and what I expect to debate is that I have Hawkeye over Moon Knight. Um, yeah, that's that's really my shocking. my debate is I just, I felt more during that for the characters. And maybe it's because we already had this established relationship with them. Um, but I, with Hawkeye, I really liked the consistent tone of it all. I really liked the dynamic and the the character work between Clint and Kate and how their stories and kind of the way that they had kind of jumped into each other's lives at the perfect time had worked out. Um, I love the introduction of Yelena and I thought she elevated a lot of the the latter half of that series. Um, You know, that also had villain problems. I think more villain problems than, than Moon Knight (laughs) in general. Way more. Um, but I can I can forgive those because I think most of the the philosophical differences in here were between Kate and Clint, right? Whereas in Moon Knight, I think the the core relationship of the the hero and villain just didn't work, and we didn't get enough of the Mark and Conchu like buddy rival counterpart relationship as I would have liked. So. Mm-hmm. So overall, I have I have them in in different tiers. Um, I just overall, I think I was a bit disappointed in this series, and I felt they could have delivered on on some more of it. But I did greatly enjoy it. Um, and I will say, this is the one of 
of the five live action series that we've gotten so far where I wasn't like week to week in anticipation. And I know I have it higher than Falcon the Winter Soldier, but I even felt like week to week more anticipation for that because we were still kind of early in the phases, right? I think if if Falcon the Winter Soldier came out today, it would kind of be like, you know, eh, I'm catching this as it comes out, but I'm not like waiting with bated breath. Um, whereas I kind of felt that with all the other series. Um, so, you know, it is, it is a little further down my list. Um, but you know, I kind of, kind of stand by it. I went back and forth a lot. I had it over Hawkeye initially. Um, and then the more I thought about it and the the more disappointed I got with, with Harrow and, and the missed opportunities there, the, I made the decision to, to bump it down slightly. So that is where I'm at. I have it ranked at number four, kind of, uh, almost dead center of the the rankings in TV. So I'm I'm kind of in the same boat as you. I think the biggest difference between us is I'm I'm looking at my rankings now. I'm a little torn on where I want to put WandaVision because at first I I thought this I thought Moon Knight was going to surpass Loki, and then like. The more you and I start talking about it, the more like the the holes start to show and some of the flaws start to appear. And I can kind of start to see why some people might not be as into this and why it's not as perfect as I've seen some people make it out to be. So I I definitely got to put it a step below Loki. And I think for me, what keeps it higher than, say, Hawkeye is... It felt refreshing. This was a new character with no connections to the, to the pre MCU at large or very few that it's unnoticeable to the naked eye. It is shot beautifully and edited beautifully. Like the action mm-hmm. looks really good in this. It's it's gory. Well, not gory necessarily, but like it's bloody. It's not afraid to get its hands dirty. And I give it respect for like pushing the envelope a little bit in that manner, especially, Mm -hmm. and not to mention it tackles a few very extremely difficult subjects in a very tasteful manner. Like I I had read something where they had interviewed a few psychologists about their, uh, the, um, not perception, but the, that's what I'm looking for the presentation of DID and like how it's, how it's used in this show and like how it's perceived. And I mean, they said it's like relatively accurate. It might be a little more on the extreme side, but like it, it, this isn't an uncommon, it's not uncommon how it's presented. So again, I really got to give the creative team, uh, not chops, uh, give them credit for handling child abuse, DID and a, a and some bloody fights all while keeping it TV 14 and keeping it under the Disney umbrella. So that's why it goes right. I think it goes right below Loki for me in the two slot. I, I don't, I don't have um, tiers like you do. Mine's just mm-hmm. a regular one through six. So I think right now this is going to sit at number two. It sits above Hawkeye because to me, Hawkeye just, I was happy that it happened. And like, like I said, at Christmas, I, when I'm decorating 
the apartment or my place or like doing some Christmas errands, I might have it on in the background just to set the tone and the mood. But other than that, I really don't want to go back to it. It was just too bland and boring and generic for me at least. Um, so I, I might have to put that at the four spot and put WandaVision right above that. The only thing that's keeping Wanda for me that's keeping WandaVision from <laughs> the two spot is all of the I don't even remember the the one villain the the, the agent guy that like the like the <laughs> the sword the sword director. agent yeah the yeah. sword director I can't remember his name like all of the stuff outside of Westview. I'm yeah. not interested in at all. It just I I understand plot no wise it's for important. Jimmy Woo? Oh, I mean Jimmy Woo and uh-huh, Jimmy Woo is a different story. <laughs> that's that's a different story. Uh for uh <laughs> was it Woo was this it man. Woo this man. Woo. <laughs> um but all of the sword stuff I just did not care about in the slightest. The Monica Rambeau stuff I really liked, and the Jimmy Woo stuff I really liked. Those were, that was a lot of fun. My thing is just like we got to take Wanda down, so let's call in the government to do it. And it just even the uh, even the Darcy stuff was enjoyable, but um, the the use of those characters I think was a little underwhelming for me. So that that's the reason I got to bring it down just a notch. Everything in Westview, I want, I wanted more of that. That was so interesting and so engaging. Mm-hmm. And that's what I loved about it. But this had me more engaged than WandaVision, especially. Be, I mean, granted, I was excited week to week for this show. Granted, there were points where, and I even said said this on our previous episodes, that like it lost momentum from episode to episode because it would end, it, the, the momentum would build up to the end of each episode and end on such a cliffhanger, and then it starts the next episode on such a low note that mm-hmm. it takes a while to build itself back up, and it, the cycle just kind of repeated itself until the fifth episode. When to me, it it, it took off like a rocket beginning to end. Like there wasn't any stopping on that one. And then yeah. going into the finale, kind of deflated a little bit. But so at least to me, it kept me engaged the entire time. I think it's what I'm getting at overall. So I think my rankings go Loki, Moon Knight, WandaVision. I actually got to put Falcon and Winter Soldier higher than Hawkeye now that I think about it. I think that's Because at least it tried to be engaging and a little different and interesting. It tried to tell a story. A, 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 story from a different perspective Mm -hmm. and and i think for the most part they succeeded it's just that finale that they they couldn't stick the landing on yeah and all the stuff with the flat smashers they couldn't stick the landing on so i gotta put falcon Mm -hmm. the winter soldier in four hawkeye in five and then what if just bottom sits like that's i mean that's the obvious one that's all why i i do my tier list right because i i like to remind myself not to think too much about the bad of the movies because all of my live action shows you'll see don't go lower yet than the A tier. So, uh, like, I mean, I, I grade them as A movies. Like, I think they're, they're A series, you know. I'm yeah very entertained by it. I have to nitpick flaws just because we're doing the review, right? And <laughs> doing this has made me realize more flaws in things, which is kind of a downside yeah. to this whole process. Is like, I think too hard about these sometimes so that we can talk about them. Um, but but I think overall, um, 
Marvel's killing it on Disney Plus. Like the the varied amount of content that they're putting out. We've got we're as of today like three weeks I think away from or four weeks away from uh, Miss Marvel. So mm-hmm. we're getting getting uh getting into the thick of it for sure. Not to mention uh, the Obi Wan series is dropping in two, two weeks. Two weeks. Yeah. <laughs> See, I'm not. I'm not as stoked on Star Wars as I used to be, but this one I'm 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 skeptical, but I'm going to go into this one. It is amazing. Like I don't want to harp on Star Wars too much here because this yeah. is an MCU. Pro- um, yeah, but it's it a is crossover. crazy to see how both of these arms of the Disney conglomerate <laughs> are operating <laughs> so differently. Like, it just shows Isn't you the it? influence of, like, Feige and their leadership team, right? Because, like, mm-hmm. Star Wars is just aimless. They have no idea what to do Mm-mm. with it. They don't know whether they want streaming. They don't know whether they want films. Like, they don't know whether they want to continue to capture nostalgia or push forward into new territories. It's like, man. And you see, you hear so, like, it felt like for a while, every month, we were hearing about a new Star Wars project. And then it, you would hear, like, six months later that it's canceled. Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> It's wild. I I I want to see a cohesive vision for it so bad because there's so much potential there. Well, now that you mentioned Star Wars and Feige, I just saw that apparently Feige's Star Wars entry has nothing to do with the Skywalker saga, yeah, and isn't connected to the rest of the 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 lore that we're used to. Um, but which is to good, that... but like, I don't know that I want just every show to not have Jedi and stuff. <laughs> I mean, no, I, I mean, you can still have Jedi, Obi-Wan. but like, yeah, I. Yeah, but I mean, it's always any any Jedi we've gotten have been within the scope of the Skywalker saga. So, like, I just want to kind of. I mean, it's a it's a religion in space. I know, and I think. Did you see who's writing Feige's Star Wars? No, Waldron. Are you serious? Yeah. All right, I'm in. I'm in. I'm sold. That's all I needed. (laughs) Yeah. And I think that's that's actually a good lead in to not preview our Doctor Strange episode, but like just throw it out there that. Sam Raimi has actually talked about in interviews, even Waldron too have talked about in interviews. Like they were writing Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness and filming it at the same time. Like they didn't know the ending of Multiverse of Madness until they were done filming. So like they everything Raimi has talked about how every choice that he made had to be run up through through Feige to like Mm -hmm. be signed off on any story choice. Waldron had to be consulted on literally everything like and they also had to use Waldron and Olsen to like determine how uh how the Scarlet Witch character was going to play out because Sam Raimi hadn't finished WandaVision yet so like (laughs) it helps it does help to have that central figure that all these decisions are run through to have like mm-hmm. even the minuscule details of like if if this is in there it's going to break the lore of the MCU at large. Yeah, and you're um, seeing underneath him him he's slowly building out like what they call the council, right? <laughs> the mm-hmm. MCU yeah. Marvel Council. And like, you see Feige, it in credits Victoria, of all these Alonzo, Nate Moore, like they're they're all Luis Desposito. Like you you right. see them all on all of these projects, but you have to they're imagine all producers. that they're each seeing like different like they're each overseeing a different story aspect or they're each seeing like overseeing a certain group of characters arcs but they they all understand them fundamentally and that's why the mcu Mm -hmm. is so successful is they they know who these characters are and Mm -hmm. they know 
what their trajectory is going to be. And sometimes there are missteps like that happens, especially in the earlier days. But like for the most part, just to have that consistency and consistent vision has been wild. Um, and then you look at Star Wars and just even finishing <laughs> off the Skywalker saga, they couldn't. They couldn't. They, <laughs> they couldn't, couldn't have cohesion, and they couldn't even no. get through lines through all three of those movies. So it's and that that was just you know one two three movies and Feige's like managing well there's a series coming out this week and then the week after that there's a movie coming out and you know three years from now those two are going to tie together in this culmination film and and these plot lines are going to pay off and it's it's i don't know how the man does it i don't know how he does it because i mean it has to be the team but not to mention he gets a different hat for every entry too Mm -hmm. i would like to see his hat collection like if he has like lined up in his office from iron man all the way up to they should sell one for moon knight you, Almost like draft you, caps. Can you imagine how much those are worth? Oh, probably a lot. That's like his inheritance, <laughs> probably for. I don't know if he has a family or not. He never really talks about it. But. <laughs> Anyways, I think that I think that about puts a bow on Moon Knight. I guess I guess before we go, like, what do you what do you think's next for the character? Do you think a crossover series, crossover film, season two of of Moon Knight film? You know, I was at? I was talking at, at the bar with somebody about this uh, on Friday night because they had they had just seen Doctor Strange and we were talking about that. And then them and I were talking about um, about we got into Moon Knight and they asked me like they asked me the same thing. And I like I went back to what you and I had talked about uh, like maybe three or four months ago. It's May at this point. So like maybe five months ago where or maybe it was even last year where <laughs> Disney and Marvel end up like siloing off these characters into their own like arts and their own mm-hmm. teams. So I think with the Midnight Suns arc, at least rumored, I think this would be the perfect place to slot slot Mark and Steven back in. Mm-hmm. Um I mean we're getting blade. We we're getting, or we know Dane Whitman exists. There's a rumor Ghost Rider in, in the works. I think the next time we see him, it'll be in some capacity with Blade or with Dane Whitman and Black Knight, um, or in some capacity with uh, with the Midnight Suns team up or arc. I could definitely see that because you could use a Midnight Suns series to kind of wrap up not wrap up, but continue the threads that we're seeing in Moon Knight, mm-hmm. right? Like you could, you could technically have the, the Conchu Mark Jake Lockley, as fallout, like the villain of the. Yeah, it could even be the villain, or it could be just kind of like the the first act, the thing that pulls the team together, right <laughs> before they face mm-hmm. a larger threat, right? Um, and maybe Conchu needs the more heroic version of, <laughs> of Mark to come out, so he. <laughs> reveals himself and you know we start to get some of that fallout so i think there's i think there's a lot that that could be done there um but i think we are going to start to flesh out that like supernatural side a lot more and i almost Mm -hmm. kind of thought that moon knight going in was going to be more of like a street level daredevil type show so i I was kind of surprised with how many fantastical elements were in this well after like the third episode i texted my friends and said hey do you consider this a hat entry or not a hat entry? <laughs> <laughs> and the one immediately said, not a hat. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, I thought like, it was going to be a hat for sure. It, at first, it, like from the trailers, it even looks like it. And then like yeah. once, 
once Egyptian gods start punching each other. I'm like, I can confirm this is not a hat. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I think Midnight Suns is logical. That's probably the two two that I would guess is Midnight Suns or uh, just a season two. Right. Um, as long as everyone else is willing to come back for it, even like even if they don't kill off Harrow and they want Ethan Hawke back. Yeah. Even if they bring him back as a psychologist, I am perfectly fine with that. Oh, they could, they, they totally will do that, even if they don't bring Harrow himself back. <laughs> yeah. He does that so well. Like, it feels like, like, even the way he plays it, it's, it seems like you're, it seems like he's manipulating Steven in this case. And it's, it's yeah. Not, oh my God, he's so good. <laughs> yep. Anyway. All right. Well, I think that's about where we'll wrap up for the week. Uh, thanks for joining us on our, our Moon Knight series through these last three episodes. Um, as we had kind of alluded to and mentioned earlier in the show, our Multiverse of Madness podcast, our review will be out uh, shortly, or it may be out now, depending on when you're listening to this. So go find that in your favorite, favorite podcatcher. Um, and... You know, join us on our, our jaunt through the multiverse and we'll be we'll be returning with some content for uh, Miss Marvel, which is coming out in a few weeks. And then that's going to take us right up to Thor Love and Thunder. So it's going to be a, a great time. <laughs> Absolutely can't wait. All right. Well, thank you again for joining us for Jared. I'm John and we will see you next time. <laughs>